0: Dead bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences.
1: Hi Chanel, are we recording? I always do that. Um, (laughs) It's a good idea to
0: do that because then we can put it on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Got anything to tell us, Chanel? Oh. Are you going to? Is it? Can can it be shared publicly? Yes, it can. Oh, sorry, Kirsten. Can you? (laughs) There's something wrong with the lighting in this room. I'm going blind. I'm being blinded by flashes of light. What can that be? I don't even think it's the. Uh, Kirsten just adjusted the light. Thank you. I don't. That's not what I was referring to, Kirsten. Thank you. Oh,
1: shit.
0: Sorry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, Glint, Glint, Glint. My eyes. I'm still yes. being blinded by something sparkling. The
1: man who I have openly said I would murder several times on this podcast proposed. Yes. Yes, this is the he best did. news. After openly saying I would murder him and talking to our listeners about. Where I would hide his body and how I'd have to chop him up into a million pieces, he still loves me.
0: Which tells me he hasn't listened to this podcast. I don't which think is he was sad. sad I think. don't
1: think he does. It's, it yes. can't
0: be possible. And even the bit where you said you don't. I, to be honest, when I saw your Instagram post, uh, yeah, had a flash of happiness, but then a flash of terror because
1: I've openly said that I don't want a wedding. I know. And I said to him just recently. <laughs> So for people at home, I don't know how much I've revealed about Nicholas besides the fact that I would murder him. He's Greek. Yes. So this is very big greek family he's very involved. handsome
0: too i have oh, to say i'm just you. saying that in
1: a you know mm. motherly sort of way yeah thank you mm. um he looks Didn't nice like um, do that. No.
0: I- <laughs> <laughs> sorry for that look i'm not blind as my mother used to say uh just because you have a garden at home doesn't mean you can't go to the botanical gardens oh, and have a look
1: okay yeah, just have a don't
0: look. don't pick the flowers yeah yeah, don't touch him.
1: Um so there's a very big family involved and I've openly said to him just know I love you and I want to marry you but I will be dying when I walk down that aisle. Yeah. A little inside.
0: Can you do one of those overseas ones? No. When-
1: oh, globes travel. I don't know if people are offended by the word wog, but wogs travel.
0: I think think if you are one, you're allowed to call yourself one. Yeah,
1: they'll go anywhere for a wedding. It's like the the grand final (laughs) of any event. It's a wedding. They'll go anywhere for one.
0: I'm concerned about the amount of money that might be sucked up by this big event. Same. When will it be? Do we know?
1: Next year. Not this year. Next year. Oh, we're live it's podcasting I'll, from it. It's likely I'll want to murder someone between now and then. It could be him. It could be someone related to him. I don't – myself, maybe. Oh, I don't well, know.
0: huge congratulations. Thank you. Delighted for you.
1: He's on board.
0: <laughs> Good on him. Uh, I have a story tonight about a woman who um, – actually this story was written by – Well, actually, this is probably quite lazy of me because I'm pretty much reading the story written by a journalist called David Kuhn. Uh, It was published on Out.com. That's where I saw it. But apparently it originally appeared in the Arkansas Times. And um, I'm not exactly reading his writing word for word, but I do need Hmm. to credit him because he's the one that interviewed this lady. She is a woman by the name of Ruth Coker Burks. And between 1984 and the mid-1990s, she cared for hundreds of dying people. A lot of them were gay men mm. who had been abandoned by their families. She buried more than three dozen of them herself. What? After their families refused to claim their bodies. And for a lot of those people, she's now the only person who knows where their graves are to this day. Wow. Wow. So it all started in 1984. For those of us who lived through those years, and you would have been a younger girl, but I'm sure you remember this, that was when AIDS was brand new. Yes. We didn't know what this disease was. People were terrified. They weren't going near gay people. They were ostracizing Mm -hmm. them. Gay people themselves, one of my dearest friends, I can remember when he went and had a test done and he didn't speak for two or three days while well, he waited for those results to come back mm. it was he was just like a walking zombie
1: and wasn't there something about diana princess of wales she touched someone in yes. fo- in that had AIDS and everyone. It was like the wow. Yeah. she's not afraid. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it did an awful lot that actually to uh, destigmatize things. So this story starts in 1984. Ruth uh, Burks was 25 at the time. She was a young mother, and she went to University Hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas, to help care for a friend who had cancer. Um, her friend went through five surgeries, so Ruth was there for a lot of time at the hospital. And one day she noticed. A door with a big red bag over it and she saw the nurses drawing straws to see who would go in who, oh. and they would even, if someone got the straw and they were supposed to go in they'd say, oh, redraw it, let's do it again best of three. Oh. They were so reluctant to go in there. Um, and this time, 84, was the very early days. At this stage, AIDS was known as GRID, which I had no recollection of. Never heard of that. Gay-related immune deficiency. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so Ruth had a gay cousin in Hawaii and she had asked him story, about stories of this gay plague after seeing a story on the news. And he said to her – I wonder if they changed it from gay-related immune – what was it? Uh, it was gay-related immune deficiency.
1: Yeah, probably because it do, you, no. you don't have to – anyone can – Exactly. Get AIDS, you don't have to be gay. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, so her own gay cousin – when he had heard, seen all these stories and she asked him and he said, oh, no, that's just the leather guys in San Francisco. San Francisco is known as, you know, a gay friendly city. And uh, there are a lot of leather guys there. So even gay people at the time thought that that's the only place that you could get it. Right? Um, so she cared a lot about this particular cousin. So she read up everything she could to find out about this disease, um, hoping that he was right and that it was only that particular group that had it. Um, she says it was either curiosity or some higher power, but whatever it was, she eventually snuck into that room that had been oh. blocked off by the nurses. And in the bed in there was a skeletal young man. He'd wasted away to less than 100 pounds. And he told Ruth that he wanted to see his mother before he died. Oh, Going to happen again, isn't it? You're gonna Honestly, get upset. I cry so. Uh,
1: it's okay to oh, cry. I oh, won't. I'm all right. You can. But It's
0: just it's it's really heart wrenching. So she walked out, and um, the nurses said to her, "You didn't go into that room, did you?" And she said, "Yes." And he wants his mother, and they just laughed at her. Mm. They said, "Honey, his mother's not coming. He's been here six weeks. Nobody's coming." So Ruth somehow found a number for the young man's mother. She called it and the mother hung up on her. Then Ruth called back and she said, If you hang up on me again, I will put your son's obituary in your hometown newspaper and I will list his cause of death. So that got the mother's attention. Smart. Uh, The mother said that her son was a sinner, that she didn't know what was wrong with him. She didn't care that she wouldn't come as he was already dead to her as far as she was concerned she said she wouldn't even claim his body when he died so she hung up the phone um, this is ruth trying to decide what to tell the young man she went back into his room and she said um, uh, he said to her oh mama i knew you'd come so he's obviously just in such a state of oh. he's on his way out and he was yeah, right. yeah he thought that ruth was his mother so she lifted up his hand and she said i'm here honey i'm here
1: she what would up, you have done in that moment? Uh, the same thing. I think so too. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: so. Yeah. Just go along with it. It's his final moments. Yeah. And otherwise, what would she say to him? Yeah. So she pulled up a chair. She talked to him. She held his hand. She bathed his face with a cloth. She told him she was there for him. And she stayed with him for 13 hours. And then he took his last breaths. So the same thing happened over and over again over the next decade um, where she came across people who were judgment, judgmental, who had abandoned their sons. Um, and it was all based on their following the Bible. Right. They were all referring to their sons as sinners because they were gay. Uh, Ruth worked in the end with more than a thousand people who were dying with, uh, of AIDS over the years. Wow. Uh, of those, she said, there was only a handful that didn't turn their backs on their loved ones. Now, since the 1880, okay, we need to just change off to the side for a moment here. Back in the 1880s, this woman, Ruth Coker Burns, her family uh, had a cemetery or her family were all buried in this cemetery in Hot Springs in Arkansas. When she was a little girl, her mother got into a big fight with her uncle. And to make sure that the uncle's branch of the family tree would never lie in the same graveyard mm-hmm. as she was in, her, Ruth's mother set about buying every single plot in the cemetery so that no one else could get in there apart from anyone she approved of. What? So I know. She bought up the whole cemetery, two hundred and sixty two plots. And Ruth's mother used to say to her, Someday all of this is going to be yours. Oh wonderful. <laughs> Thank oh, no. you so
1: much. <laughs> Thanks,
0: mum, what am I gonna do with that? Well she what she did. She always grew up thinking What am I going to do with the cemetery? What do do I want that for?
1: After the pennies dropped, okay.
0: Exactly, yeah. It's called Files Cemetery. So that is where Ruth buried the ashes of that first man that she saw die. Um, She made a second call to the mother who confirmed she wanted nothing to do with him, even in death. No one wanted him. She had to contract with a funeral home that was a, a long way. I think it was about 70 miles away from where the young man had died because... A lot of funeral homes wouldn't touch bodies oh, of people who died of AIDS. They they
1: were contaminated. Yeah,
0: she paid for the cremation out of her own savings. Um, uh, now she had a friend, who I think the friend must have had made pottery, or and so anyway, this friend would give her a, a a biscuit jar, a cookie jar that was pottery, but had a little chip, so it wasn't able to be sold. So she gave the cookie jar to Ruth. Ruth took the cookie jar to the family cemetery and dug a hole in the middle of her father's grave and buried it in there. And she said she thought she knew her father would approve of her doing that, that he would know she was doing the right thing and he'd probably be proud of her. She buried more than 40 people in chipped cookie jars in Files Cemetery. Most of them were gay men. Uh, Sometimes her daughter would go with her and they'd hold their own little funeral. Um, She couldn't even get a priest or a preacher to come. Again, it's the Mm. Bible. You know, they... Uh, No one would say anything over the graves. So somewhere she says she's got a list of the names of those she buried. It could be 43, she thinks. Um, Every single time she made a last effort to reach out to the families before she put the urns in the ground and people just hung up on her. They swore at her. They prayed at her while she was on the phone like she was some sort of mad demon. Um, After she cared for that first dying man... Word got out that, and now this is her words, she said word got out that there was this wacko woman oh. who was helping these people dying of AIDS. Yeah. And before long she was getting referrals from other hospitals around the state. She paid for her work uh, sometimes through donations, sometimes out of her own pocket. She would do things other than just that. She would take patients to appointments and look after them and help them get assistance when they couldn't work anymore. She would help them get medicines. She'd try and cheer them up. Um, a lot of pres- uh, pharmacies at that time wouldn't handle prescriptions for AIDS drugs. I think AZT was the one. What's that movie with Matthew McConaughey? I can't think what it's called. Mm. I
1: know Won't the one that you're me. talking about. Yeah. He's really skinny in it.
0: That's right, yes. He's, he's um, not well in it. no. Because he himself has AIDS. Yeah. You Okay. I, I authorise you, shall no, I Googling. To Google. I do well, phone so I have
1: to put my face away from the microphone to open my phone.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. I hate that. You <sighs> can turn that off. I turned it off with mine. It started turn to drive me off. mad. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. she started collecting these drugs. Occasionally, she would have be minding the drugs for a patient. They would die. And she knew that there would be others down the track who would need them. So she says in her basement, you know, how she had an underground pharmacy with all these. Dallas Buyers Club? That was it. Well done. Um, sometimes gay clubs would help raise money she said if it hadn't been for the for the drag queens i don't know what i would have done um just a couple of stories that she told from the time that she was caring for these men there was one man whose family insisted he be baptized in a creek in october 3 days before he died to wash away the sin of being gay
1: oh perfect mm that's how you do it
0: incredible uh there was another one of a mother who was trying to feed her son some um porridge oatmeal and saying roger eat please roger please 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 eat and then ruth just gently took the spoon and the bowl from her he was six foot six tall and when he died he weighed just 75 pounds which is 34 Uh kilos Can you imagine? Nothing. Six-foot-six man. Uh, His aunties came to his parents' house after the funeral in plastic suits and yellow gloves to double bag his clothes and scrub everything, even the ceiling fan, with bleach.
1: At what point are these people not asking her, why are you not sick? What a good point and none of them looking at the wacko woman and saying the wacko woman's actually quite healthy. Yeah. You know, like because I was my brain was going like this. If that was the general consensus back then that it was contagious and blah 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 and yeah. all that, you'd go along with it, right? If yeah. you're told there's a flesh-eating disease in and this is what everyone thinks, you believe it too. Yeah. But if there's a perfectly healthy woman who's dealing with hundreds of sick people yeah. and she's not getting sick, it's it's a light bulb moment? This
0: is why I like working with you because you are so smart. <laughs> I didn't think of that and you're quite right. Uh, there's another one she says called Billy who hit her the hardest and she remembers the most clearly of all because he was one of the youngest she cared for. He was a female impersonator in his early 20s. Uh. She said he was beautiful. He was perfect and fine-boned. She's kept one of Billy's dresses and as his health declined she took him in his frail state to the mall in Little Rock. He had um, quit his job at a store there when he became ill and she said she sort of held him up because he was so frail Mm -hmm. and the shoppers were all just walking past him as though he was invisible Mm. and she said he just stood there and sobbed and sobbed because that was his old life and it was gone and he would never be going back to that and people were looking and pointing at him. Isn't it awful? A few weeks before Billy died, he weighed only 55 pounds, 24 kilos. (gasps) It's just incredible, isn't it? Um, She said she took Billy to an appointment and they were driving around aimlessly, just trying to get his spirits up. And they were driving by the zoo and somebody was riding an elephant. And Billy said, you know, I've never ridden an elephant. And she said, well, we'll fix that. And she turned the car around. So she said somewhere in all the boxes of things she's got, there's all the terrible memories, but there's this lovely picture of her and this young guy, Billy, up on the top of the elephant riding it in his final days. So she got to see the worst of people and she also got to see people at their best as well. Um, she said, I watched these men take care of their uh, – I mean, she was particularly thrilled, I have to say, when marriage, gay marriage was legalised in, in America. She said, I watched these men take care of their companions and watch them die. I've seen them go in and hold them up in the shower. They would hold them while I washed them. They would carry them back into the bed. They would dry them off and put lotion on them. They did that until the very end, knowing that they were going to be that person before long. Now, you tell me that's not love and devotion. I don't know a lot of straight people who would do that. Incredible, isn't it? Amazing. Uh, so Ruth had a stroke five years ago. Uh, she had to relearn everything. She had to learn to talk again, to feed herself, to read and write. And, of course, her work is not needed anymore because we've got better education, better drugs and better treatments. But what she wants is to see a memorial erected in Files Cemetery listing all the names of the unremembered dead who die there. And there is a, a campaign page which we will put the link for on our Facebook page. So if you do want to donate um, in memory of the work that Ruth has done, then you can do so. Isn't she incredible?
1: How wonderful. Oh, yeah. Great story. I'd like to do that, but you also need lots of money to do that.
0: Well, little bits of money. It's the dedication and it's a But you're not uh, to pay for it. No, but as so she you said. You still have to sustain yourself. But she must have been interesting because she must have been spiritual herself. You know, mm. it was it was the hardcore Bible bashers who were the ones who were saying it's a sin to be gay. You know, and they uh, um those people
1: still exist. Yes, they, I know they do. I'm so happy for you to do accents, <laughs> offensive ones. About I know who them. they
0: voted for too. Yeah,
1: no, <laughs> oh, don't we all?
0: I remember oh, what show did I watch? And there was this fanatical woman. She kept saying, "I am a God warrior."
1: Was it Louis Thoreau, something oh, in one of those ones where? They protest outside. She's really short and fat. Mm. Oh, the
0: Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, is they're that the horrendous. Horrendous. They're yes. horrendous.
1: And they get small children to hold up heinous signs. Yes, they do. Yes, at,
0: at military men funerals and too. Yes.
1: Two. Um, so she, but she must have been
0: spiritual herself because she refers to a higher calling taking her into that room in the first place that started the whole thing off. I don't so think the,
1: I would have gone into that room.
0: No. I probably wouldn't have.
1: I don't think so. No. Initially, when you are believing everything that everyone yes, I hit the mic. Sorry, when you're thinking <laughs> about everything that everyone else is saying. Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know at that stage. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have gone into the room.
0: Mm. Mm. What you got for me, Chanel?
1: Well, um... am I? Oh, do you want that now? I you don't haven't got know. a story.
0: Do you want to do a story, or do you want to do yeah?
1: Don't. Look I didn't at it read yet. it. I didn't read it. There's, an
0: exci- There's two exciting emails, and chanel has got both of them. Do you want to do a story or do you want to do just the exciting email?
1: Maybe. You can't wait, can well, you? Well, now people are wondering.
0: All right, do the exciting email. Okay. Because I know you've. Okay.
1: This is from Basma and Sabrina. <laughs> yes, it is. They're back. <laughs> now, last time we recorded, which was a couple of weeks ago, mm. Because uh, we've had some time off for Christmas and New Year, uh, I asked you, "Have we heard from Basma and Sabrina?" And I said, "Would it be weird to email people that normally email us <laughs> to find out what they're up to?" And you told me they'd emailed. Yes, but you—I didn't email them. No, no, no they'd it, emailed it us. Yep. they had yep. reconnected. Yeah. but you hadn't tell, you didn't tell me what they wrote. No, so here it is. Okay, hi. Nice things, nice things. In brackets, we mean it. (laughs) First, Chanel, oh no, let's talk about your dead body spot. We are rather sad because we think we gave you a lot of suggestions (laughs) with varying levels of originality and effectiveness. To be honest, we thought that your idea was going to be a lot more unique than what it turned out to be. Don't get it twisted. We still think you're absolutely great, though. And we're not exactly experts either, based on the quality of some of our guesses. I mean, number 13, Silo was horrendous. It was horrendous.
0: <laughs> it was. People yeah. were totally. I think
1: Pasma and Sabrina are
0: speaking for the people.
1: They at are. At this point, because we all felt the same way. they are the people's listeners. <laughs> yes. Second, let's talk about accents.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Dee Dee. We really appreciated the comedic value of your accents. We are sad to hear that the response from a listener has been so negative.
0: I'll go on with y'all now.
1: No, shoot, that listener was not happy with us. <laughs> Personally, we recognise that you weren't trying to be offensive in any way whatsoever. Yeah, danke. If you, if you had been mocking people from a certain country... It would be a different story. Yes. I don't think your accents are ever mocking, are they? No. (laughs) I think you try your best to get them right. I do. I try really hard. sometimes when you try to get them right, they're offensive. I know. Lastly.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Don't read ahead. Just read it. (laughs) I'm dead. (laughs) I read ahead. We're not in uni. Oh. Did they lie? Read it. We're actually sixteen and seventeen. <laughs> Sabrina's the baby. We appreciate the fact that you think we're mature, but in fact, we're really not. Much love for you and your podcast. It has helped us through a lot. Basma and Sabrina. Basma and Sabrina. They're babies. They're children. They are babies. They're not children. You're teenagers. Listen, I appreciate teenagers. that you're they teenagers.
0: Are. That's babies. They're they're, they're little. Wait, tri- did
1: they lie to us?
0: They are yes, they did <laughs> <laughs>
1: Isn't it the best? Why lie?
0: I don't know, but I love
1: what? it. Okay, write to us again and tell us why you felt you needed to lie. That's amazing.
0: They totally played us and I love it. I
1: feel like we need to contact their parents. Don't you dare. Do they know? Like, are their parents okay with them with us talking? Yeah, their parents don't know That's what okay. they're looking as at on the internet. As long as anyone's over 15, you can interview them on the news without permission from their parents. Really? So I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. 16, 17's fine. 17 is fine. 17? She she could be in year 12.
0: That's so. I just love everything about it. But even that could be a lie. They could be 50 and 55. I don't even know. We don't
1: know. Basma and Sabrina is probably like Barry and Sam and they're in their 70s and they live in the Northern Territory. Yes. I don't even know who these people are. How are are they getting
0: internet reception out there? I know. Basma and Sabrina. We love it. We do.
1: I'm not over Basma and Sabrina. I need to move on, but I can't. Okay. We have another email from Hannah. Mm-hmm. Now, Hannah says, hi, DD and Chanel. Here's my recording of my first dead body encounter. Now, we should explain this. Yes. Right. So uh, Hannah wrote in to us and she lives in New York. New York. Yep. And the time difference... It's all over the shop. Yeah. So when it's day here, it's the middle of the night there. We mm. were thinking about getting her on to interview her, but the time just weren't adding up. That's it. So we've asked her to record herself.
0: Credit and- where it's due, genius from Chanel. She said,
1: why don't we ask her to record
0: it? And I went, why did none of us think of that? Because once again, you were the smartest person in the room. Not,
1: but you're welcome. Um, So she's recorded her dead body story and she sent it. To us now. I'll just continue, and then we'll have a listen. She said, "I actually did listen to it since it's my own voice. It's totally cringeworthy, but I'm hoping y'all find it <gasps> did palatable she say enough." Y'all? She wrote, "Y'all." Yes, palatable enough. It's very funny. Since I was pretty nervous as I was chatting away, I forgot a few details that you guys might find to be important. Uh, I'll go on. She said, "Also, this event happened in the suburb of Jacksonville, Florida." Oh. Mm. In the fall of nineteen eighty eight. Since there was no internet back then, I did follow the incident via newspaper, and the victim was attacked just after withdrawing a large sum of money at the newly installed ATM. Mm-hmm. I could never find notice that the killer was caught. I'm wondering if incidences like this spawned the need for ATM cameras, question mm. mark. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your awesome show, Hannah. Let's take a listen. So soon.
2: Hi Didi and Charnel. Nice things, nice things. I can say so many nice things. I absolutely love your podcast and I look forward to every episode. And I wanted to share with you guys about the first time I ever saw a dead body. It was a really disturbing experience and I was only 16 years old, which was many many moons ago and at that time my friends of course were turning 16 as well and i had a good friend who had switched high schools who i didn't get to see often and on her 16th birthday she got a car so she came over and of course we're going to take it for a spin so we get in her car and we're only a few miles away from my home when we pass a bank and the bank is cordoned off with police tape and there's police cars and fire ambulance and and things like that I mean tons of people around and there seemed to be a crowd that was gathering around the outside of this police tape so of course being 16 we think it's a brilliant idea for us to stop as well um not so much but we did and the parking lot that we parked in was a shared parking lot between the bank and some stores so we really didn't see what was going on until we got out of the car and walked up to the outside of the police tape and at that time we noticed a some poor gentleman who was dead deceased in the middle of the parking lot and we knew immediately he was deceased because well there were so many emergency workers around him and no one was trying to revive him so we figured he was gone and also it was kind of obvious he was in great distress because there was a river a small river of blood coming from his body down to a storm drain so we were disturbed obviously, as 16-year-olds, we looked at each other and we were like, wow, this is the first time we've ever seen a dead body. So we were kind of speechless. Um, His back was to us. He had on dark clothing and we kind of whispered to each other, you know, maybe that was the bank robber. Maybe it was the bank robber. And he was shot leaving the premises. So this is kind of the stance that we took towards this fella. And... We proceeded to watch everything else unfold. Not too long after that, three EMT men with a stretcher came over to the body, and two of the men grabbed the poor guy by the forearm and the wrist, and the third, um, they had rolled him over onto his back, grabbed behind his ankles, behind his heels, on his feet. And they proceeded to lift him onto the stretcher. And when they did, his head fell back. And when I mean fell back, I mean fell all the way back. This man had been slit in the throat. And his head was hanging on by a thread. And it was absolutely shocking and sickening but the strangest part that I remember was thinking and my friend as well we chatted about it when we got back into the car was that it really looked so fake and I'm actually thankful for all of the horror movies that the Halloween the Friday the 13th series or anything that we had watched up to that point Because had I never seen the fake blood and gore in those movies, I think that that experience would have scarred me for life. It really did seem so fake. And maybe that's just a defense mechanism. Not sure. But it worked. And then came a new realization to both of us is that This man was not a bank robber, clearly, because police typically don't slit the throats of bank robbers. They rarely ever get close to them. They're taken out by a sniper shot or the such. And this man had been really violently assaulted in the middle of the day near my home. And it was actually really, really scary more than it was um, disgusting. It was scary and sad. And um, I think my friend and I learned a really good lesson that day, which was to mind our own damn business (laughs) among several. Um, But I wanted to share that story just because I thought it was kind of poignant as to it's possible to be desensitized to the blood, even if you're just exposed to special effects on tv or movies or I really think that kind of helped us as strange as that may seem but again I wanted to let you know that I love the podcast absolutely love the podcast I think you guys talk about things that people actually really need to talk about in order to get rid of their fears of death and to really make them more functional while they're living thank you so much and again I look forward to every single one keep them coming and thanks again. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Do you think that's Basma or Sabrina doing an accent? <laughs> or definitely Hannah?
1: <laughs> wow. That's amazing. At that age. It always
0: spins me out. First, sorry, sorry to get, let's zoom in on the wrong detail, but it always spins me out that American – American kids can drive at 16. I know, I was thinking that
1: too. Obviously, we don't drive till we're 18, but they're cruising around at 16 in a car.
0: And look what happened. And I think that's such a good point uh, that Hannah makes about um, being desensitised, not thinking it's real, because you've seen all this fake blood and stuff. And wow. And I think this is our new thing.
1: I, well, I was going to say that to things. you. I was going to say that to you. If anyone has seen a dead body and they want to share their story, get on the memo recording on your phone, and sit in your just... cupboard or underneath your bed and record the story and freaking send it to us.
0: It's easy. Well, just send it through to the email, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com because we want to know, have you ever seen a dead body?
1: I would love people to do what Hannah's done, but I, we need to go back to her as well. This is why. yes. Did no one hold his head? Because,
0: oh, I don't know. What the hell? Maybe they didn't realise it was chopped no, off. No,
1: they to- if they're moving the body, they've taken photos of the scene. They've photographed everything. They know the head is not really attached don't know. What are they thinking? Cause of death? Not sure. How about the massive fact that his <laughs> head is three quarters of the way off?
0: Yep. That'll... We're going to have to
1: flip him over to confirm the cause of death. Are you? Because you can see his head is not really attached. It was the
0: olden days. Hannah, you're a legend. Thank you for that.
1: Do
0: you, I... you want to psycho, you want to analyse that whole oh, crime? I do no, need
1: to. I'm not done. Um, <laughs> I'm totally not done with this. Yes, go on. Um, the fact that she's saying so her coping mechanism yes is to just kind of remember that as it looked really really fake i'll just keep remembering it looked fake i think that's fair
0: what about the girls going hmm what's going on there let's step closer I know. let's step around let's here stay and let's watch. move to see a position where on. we can see but
1: what but her okay their curiosity is exactly the reason we started doing this yes, podcast. I completely agree. Because people are curious about it. People, yep. it's you cannot look away. You can't.
0: Are we done? <laughs> I'm shook. Let it go. Uh, we'd love to hear your dead body stories, Podcast at gmail.com and go to our Facebook page. We love you on our Facebook page. Um, oh, the Twitter's been a bit neglected, hasn't it, Kirsten? But Kirsten fires up the old Instagram okay. as well. So. Record
1: yourself. Send it in. We're yeah, on it.
0: Please do. Do it. We want to hear it. And accents. Oh,
1: what about Hannah's accent? It sounds so real. It could be fake. It sounds really. It's a really good accent. It's real. Though. That was real. Don't try to do it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Wow, I love that people might do this That's really good
0: Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com